What started as a regular closing shift in a Lululemon store would soon turn into one of Bethesda, Maryland's most horrific crimes. With the small wealthy town shaken and the public wondering who among them would commit such a gruesome act, investigators would need to hustle if they wanted to catch their killers. We are your hosts, Sherry Ferreira and Helen Allen. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. So most of us know Lululemon as a bougie store that sells leggings. I mean, at least that's what I know them as. Obviously. It's the yoga store. But to Brittany Norwood, it would serve as the next step into pursuing her dream of becoming a personal trainer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Another worker named Jaina Murray was set to close the store with Brittany one night. Now, Jaina was 30 years old. She was also a star athlete in college, studied business, did a year of Spain, and a semester at sea. She traveled the world after graduating and got a job as a marketing rep, but she decided to go back for her MBA at Johns Hopkins University. And yeah, she was even like writing her research project for a master's degree about the business ethics of like Lululemon. Oh, cool. Because they have certain practices there that are... Yeah, I have actually, I have a friend who works at Lululemon. They have like the best perks I guess for working there they treat their their people very well like it's a company yeah. that is known for the way that they treat people yeah so, so. that obviously must be what attracted her to right. want to write her research yeah. project about it and that's ultimately how she began working there she just needed to do research for her project cool on March 11th 2011 the girls were set to close and it was by all accounts, a regular night. They closed the store at 9, left at 9.45, and then went off in two different directions. Brittany to the subway and Jana to her car. As Brittany is walking to the subway, she realizes she left her wallet at the store. So she calls Jana up because she had the keys and they both go back. Okay, yeah, yeah, because Jaina is the one that's, like, at the higher level, so she would maybe have been the one to Yeah, she was a manager there. Got it, got it. Jaina parked her car in front of the store in, like, this no-park zone, and she didn't really think much of it because she was just running and tell Brittany she would be back, and it wasn't going to take that long. Okay. The girls re-enter the store and proceed to look for Brittany's wallet. After a couple of minutes of them searching, Jane is just like, you know what? Here's my Metro card. You can use it and just give it to me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. As they're getting ready to leave the store is when disaster happens. Jaina heads to the door first and apparently they had forgotten to lock the front door. And soon Brittany sees this tall figure in a ski mask attack Jaina. Immediately, a second person enters and grabs Brittany, threatening for her to keep quiet, show her where the money is, and so she does. Meanwhile, Jaina's assailant drags her to the back room and brutally beats her. After giving the assailant access to the safe, the one that was with Brittany, she gets pulled into the bathroom and is beaten up as well. Wow. Yeah, so it's not long before the next morning when a manager comes in at 8 a.m. to open the store, but the doors were unlocked. Right. She walks in and the store is a mess with just clothes thrown everywhere, but what is most scary is all of the blood. There was, I can't even yeah. imagine walking into that scene. Yeah. Could you imagine just working at a Lululemon oh. and thinking you're going to like <laughs> just open the store? You woke up miserable because you had to show up at work. Yeah. And then like... You, you're dragging yourself no, in there. I got That's like the scene you walk into. And not to mention that these are probably her friends. They're mm-hmm. her coworkers. It'd be a shock wow. for sure. There were stains on the floor, footprints, 
spatters on the walls and the whole scene was just devastating because she knows something went down here and as the manager is taking in the scene she starts to hear moaning (gasps) and is like yeah no i'm out yeah she's like who is the moaner like the person that's moaning like is that maybe someone that's dangerous is that a victim like what if I were to walk in on that scene and hear moaning, I'm out. Exactly. I will call the police from the sidewalk. And that's that's literally what she does. She does not stick around to find out. She books it and calls 911. Is that selfish of me to say? No. I'm not going to go perform. Like, no, I wouldn't. Because you don't know what it is. You're not going to put yourself in that situation. Right. I'd be like, okay, like I will do my, my due diligence and call the police, mm-hmm. but on the damn From the sidewalk. safety of 10 blocks away. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Interestingly enough, though, a bystander saw how visibly shaken she was and volunteered to check things out in the store. Sketchy. I'm sketched out by that. <laughs> uh-uh. Would you ever see somebody that's like so shaken up and they're like, I just saw tons of blood in a Lululemon and you're like, I'll check it out. Oh, I would, would never. Would you ever be like, who, what kind of man would be like, and I'm assuming it's a crazy man, but it could be a, a crazy woman. Just, yeah, no, it like, was, it was also, a man. Like also could be a great citizen. Thank you for your service, citizen. But no. Like if that were me. And I'd even, if the as the person calling 911, I'd be like, no, 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 sit your down you're not going there we're gonna wait for the police you know what i mean i think that's you having done research on this podcast so much being like your suspects stay behind the the yellow taped lines i had this in my purse Uh -uh, you're gonna tamper with the evidence i I think i i don't know is this just like a a concerned citizen yeah i think this is just a concerned citizen that's just my bad then yeah This guy goes back into the store and takes in everything. He's walking further into the back room because he sees just a bunch of blood that all seem to be leading towards the back room. Mm. And it's everywhere. He reaches the back room finally and finds Jaina. Jaina appeared to be still and had serious injuries and blood all around her. But there were also tools scattered around her covered in blood. What do you mean tools? Like in a toolkit, like a wrench. What? Yes. All bloody. So like were those like the murder weapons? Yeah, that's what later on investigators will assume and confirm that those were the tools that hurt her. As he is looking at Jaina, he hears the moaning. But it's not coming from Jaina. It's coming from somewhere else in the store. Looking further, he was able to find Brittany still alive with her hands tied up above her head. And she had this huge gash on her forehead where a majority of the blood seemed to be coming from. Oh my God. The police arrive with the ambulance in tow. And at first glance, the officers see the store and the money's missing. The safe is empty. And they're like, okay, it's a robbery. robbery. Yeah. When the ambulance arrives, the girl's injuries get looked at more closely. They reveal Jaina's wounds were sustained to her head, face, neck, and back. And she was ultimately pronounced dead. Brittany's wounds were described as razor cuts to all over her body. Her clothes were torn. She also had cuts to her face and several bruises. Razor cuts? Yeah. Like something from the toolbox? Yeah, the police noticed these cuts just all over her body, and that's all they know until she gets to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Okay. When she gets there, the police question her, and she gives them the story of what happened that night. She also says how guilty she feels and how responsible she feels for what happened because they went back for her wallet. So she has this in her mind of if I hadn't left it, maybe Jaina would still be alive. Things would have been different. Her last memory after being brought into the bathroom was waking up and being carried out of the store. Unfortunately, she couldn't give a description of her 
attackers, but she could confirm that they were both men. One was taller than the other and they were both wearing black, okay. which still isn't a lot to go on. No, yeah. But I mean, she was obviously in a very stressful Oh, situation. yeah. I mean, I, I would have been like, do, I don't know them. Yeah, <laughs> don't I ask like, me. Um, I was busy being yeah. vegan. So Sorry. I would be the worst witness ever to anything. <laughs> it's so I'm, much attitude. I'm the worst. Be like, do you, I'm laid in bed in the hospital bed right <laughs> I'm now. I'm busy recovering, so. Literally. Police immediately start looking at the stores in that downtown area, and they head towards the Apple store because they share a wall with the Lululemon store, so. They're basically next door neighbors. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they're really hopeful, especially since most of the staff was working late last night to prepare for the launch of the iPad 2. <gasps> Wait, okay, this yeah. is interesting. Unfortunately, though, the employees don't remember seeing the two men. Okay. Well, I mean, but, they could have come from the other way. Yeah, know? of course. But around 10 p.m., they confirm hearing screaming someone heaving and a voice saying oh god oh god please help me please help me and one of the workers are like oh yeah one of them was screaming bloody murder okay and And where's the police report from the call yeah none they didn't call the police when they thought someone was screaming bloody murder they didn't even so much as peek out the door to see what was going on video footage from inside the store actually shows them pressing their ears up against the wall to listen (gasps) to the crime no yeah and it just infuriates me that much further knowing that they were literally right there even them walking by could have spooked one of them made them stop save jana and they did nothing oh my god the only other information they could provide was that they only heard female voices that night which isn't too strange because in my mind no attacker is just going to yell especially a guy with like a deep voice i mean like especially if it's somebody that's doing such like an isolated attack of just like these two girls closing up a store i mean especially if maybe they did pass the apple store and they knew people were in there then they're gonna be quiet exactly so that didn't even pop up on my radar maybe wouldn't have heard but still i'm so shocked that they didn't say anything or call the police or at all and they're just, it, footage, it just shows them walking around and like maybe one of them like taking a step towards the wall to show that, okay, that person's definitely hearing something and then just continue walking by like nothing ever happened. But finally, the investigators get the footage from the Lululemon store itself and it shows two men walking near the shop sometime after 11 p.m. and they were dressed in all black. So- Wait, so where are these cameras? Are they're, they- they're from outside the Lululemon store. Okay, so in the store there's no cameras? No. They're selling $99 leggings. <laughs> With no not. cameras. I mean, they very well could have, but the footage from the camera was from the outside. Okay. Did not come from inside. Interesting. Once police did track them down, though, they had a pretty solid alibi. They ended up being waiters at a restaurant up the street. Oh, so, so they, they were cleared in out. in black because that was their uniform. Exactly. Okay. So nothing sketchy about it. Okay. Interesting. But the crime scene still wasn't adding up. And after looking at the scene more, police make another weird discovery. The shoes that the killer used was right there in the store. Like the literal shoe? The literal shoe. They followed the bloody path to a clean pair of shoes placed perfectly on a shelf. They find out the same like grooves on the bottom or tread matched up with the bloody footprints in the store. But they're still questioning why the attacker would take off his shoes. What pair did he leave in? Like Wait, was so, this- okay. This kind of takes me back to another episode that we've done in the past, the Donna Winger one. Yeah. Why would he knowingly go into the house 
thinking that he's going to kill someone but not bring his own murder weapons. Why would you walk into the store and be like, I'll just use the shoes in there to walk around in the blood? Exactly. Like, I don't know if maybe he went in there before and scoped it out and sort of saw, or hey. Like had the Lululemon shoes. Exactly. And then put per- them back. Like maybe he bought them earlier. Like I'm just a little confused why they were back in the store because I feel like if that were me committing this murder, I would maybe want to take the shoes with me that yeah. I walked all over the place in. Of course. Maybe he was just that confident too. The police turn to a manager for more information and she says the shoe does belong to the store and the killer either walked with a different pair of shoes and took them off or they came in barefoot. Like she's just as confused. But like, wouldn't we see footprints? Exactly. And that's the thing. Neither of these theories match up with the evidence at the scene. Three days would go by before the police make even more startling discoveries. The doctors at the hospital who treated Brittany say that her wounds are less severe than they originally thought, and the results show that Jaina had over 331 wounds. 331 is a lot of wounds. And she ultimately died from a fatal stab wound to the back of her neck, meaning (gasps) that she was alive for all 330 of those wounds. Through all this happening, the community is shook up. This is a rich area with barely any crime. So when something this gruesome happens, everyone is on high alert and they're all wondering who could have done this. Right. Everyone is rallying behind Brittany in support because she is the sole survivor and everyone wants answers, but doesn't know how to find them. Mm -hmm. Brittany's story does seem a little off to police, but they can't quite put their finger on it. But obviously they had to tread carefully here because like I said, the community is behind her and she has been through incredible trauma too. Right. So what exactly about her story seems off to them? Like I have to admit, like I didn't want to jump the gun and be like, Brittany's sketchy. But my question is, okay, if she had all of these superficial wounds on her body, where did she have like head trauma? Because like she said she didn't remember anything past being in the bathroom. She had that gash on her forehead. But other than that, it wasn't as severe. So like when she was at the hospital, did they like evaluate her in any way that they would like be able to tell like, yeah, maybe she does have memory loss? Like, no, not at all. Okay. Yeah. Because that's kind of where I'm at is like, I get that. I know people experience trauma in different ways. Like maybe this is her way of like blocking out what happened so that it doesn't affect her emotionally as much, but it is a little bit, I guess just like bizarre like yeah. who, is she scared of saying the whole thing like what yeah is going we on? definitely need more to the story and right. police feel the same way now all they have right now is a bunch of circumstantial evidence so they really need something physical to tie this whole thing together and test that evidence against someone yeah what ends up breaking this case wide open is Jaina's car. Oh, now, that she parked in the no park zone? Exactly. Okay. But when they find her car, it was parked just a couple blocks away. They think someone must have moved the car to try and make it look less suspicious. Well, I guess, like, if someone is going in there to kill them and they realize that someone's in a no park zone, maybe they were like, we don't want the police to show up and tow the car or something and see what's yeah. going on inside. Exactly. They were just trying to get it out of the way yeah when investigators look inside and see blood all over the steering wheel they're like we got it wait a minute why would there be blood yeah so okay it points (laughs) to someone having driven the car after the murder right 
Now, all they had to do was trace it back to someone, and with only one person on their list, they test Brittany. On March 16th, police called Brittany into the station and asked her to submit her DNA samples and fingerprints, which is moving pretty quickly considering the murder happened just four days ago. Right. And like we've said multiple times on this podcast, sometimes moving too fast in an investigation can make for a messy result. Things can get overlooked and it can greatly affect the investigation. Yeah. But they push forward and they're just really determined to bring peace to the community and finally get some answers. Right, and I can imagine that they're under kind of like a, like I guess, like a lot of pressure just because the community is wealthier and they they don't experience crime a ton. So right now I bet there's like tons of people saying that the police need to figure it out. Of course, and for crime to barely happen there and something this gruesome to take place. people are pushing for answers. While Brittany is at the police station, investigators ask her some more questions and just casually ask her what she knows about Jaina's car. Brittany says she doesn't know what car she has, says that she's never been in it, and she believes she's only seen it one time, so it's not something in her memory. She's only seen it one time? Yeah, that's like was a quote from her interesting because like i know every single one of my co-workers cars like make model yeah. am i a freak i don't know but, <laughs> maybe like, i do know every single car that like like i'll see a car pull in and i'm like oh she's at work yeah there shall be yeah <laughs> same they let her go and the results of the preliminary dna come in the test says the blood on the steering wheel is a perfect match to britney's okay <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to yell no, but what okay. the The police focused their efforts on Brittany and they recall a statement that the manager who opened up the store told them. Apparently, she told police that Jana called them that same night near closing time and she suspected Brittany had been stealing that night because she had merchandise in her purse, but no receipts. And this Lululemon store specifically had the employees do bag checks at the end of the night Mm -hmm. just as a way to track who was buying what. Okay. Investigators are then set on Brittany becoming involved in this attack in some way. They just can't figure it out yet. Right. But it isn't until the next day that the police would get their answers. Brittany comes into the station voluntarily on March 18th after her siblings called the officers the night before. Her brother Chris and her sister Marissa. They insisted that Brittany had more to tell them and that she had been holding back vital pieces of information. So she shows up and she reveals that yes... She was in the car and moved it the couple blocks away from the store, but she only did it because she was forced to by her attackers and they forced her to do it alone. Okay. I'll let that settle. So, I mean, I get that she maybe was under a ton of stress, but if my attackers and my coworkers murderers um, handed me car keys and said, take this car and move it and then come back so we can finish you off. I would say, cool, I'll do that for you. And I would drive to the police station. Of course. Like, what? Straight away. And the fact that the car was a couple blocks away just makes them even more like, what are you talking about? Like, (laughs) I truly don't get it. Like, so she didn't, or even like, at the very least, I would open up the car windows and start screaming, help me. (laughs) Like, what? So nothing? She didn't nothing. even attempt to get out of the... And she... Well, so, okay. So then she... I'm sorry. I'm just going to go off no, for a second. No, go for it. So she <laughs> drives the car a couple blocks away, parks it, and then walks back bloody to her attackers. Nobody sees her and nobody... And, and she just willingly goes back to God knows what, to die? Well, according Why? to Brittany, <laughs> she says... 
They threatened her life and they were watching her every move. And that they said she knew where she lived. So Good. She I would was, say, watch me go to the police station. You just handed me car keys, you morons. She fell. I'm like, I don't know. Who's dumber? The murderers or Are, Brittany? It's, <laughs> Sorry, Brittany, it's, but you dumb. You dumb. Literally. She said she felt trapped into following their orders or they would go after her family. Which, eh. Whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it's a couple of blocks away. You could have easily driven straight to the police station, gotten help, and came right back. Yeah, or she could have literally... That's just not a possibility. She could have literally had somebody on the side of the road call the police and been like, I have to go back here, but tell the police to meet me at the Lululemon store. Exactly. She didn't do anything? Like, nothing at all? Nothing. I even get the family thing. Okay, she's nervous, but then, like, tell the police to meet you there. After hearing all of this, officers invite Brittany's sister, Marissa, and her brother, Chris, into the interview room. And the detective told Brittany's siblings the mounting of evidence against her story, including pictures of her injuries with the assertion that they were self-inflicted. Okay. Marissa leaves the room because she is just too overcome with emotion. Yeah. But Chris... sister's a liar, so... (laughs) I would be emotional, too. Yeah. Chris asked to speak to his sister alone, and detectives were like, yeah, yeah, sure, let me just close the door. They were listening the whole time. Uh, Duh. (laughs) Not listening Let me just go get some popcorn. Exactly. Like... Like, Shark Chris. His first time in a police station, clearly. <laughs> he has never seen Law and Order. You know they're looking at you through that mirror, you moron. That's <laughs> what? And according to the Washington Post article, one of the first thing Chris says to Brittany is, should I ask if you did this or not? Oh, what is he, her lawyer? Yeah. I mean, she says she doesn't want to talk there at the police station. And eventually Brittany says she's sorry and that she doesn't want to disappoint Chris, which is very telling if the first thing he said was, should I ask if you did this or not? But like, if the police thought that I murdered someone and my brother was with me, he'd probably be like, what can we do to prove to them you didn't do this because I know you did it? Exactly. If your brother is casting any form of doubt that you may have been a part of this murder. Then you have the possibility to have done it and you definitely did it. Yeah, he knows you. Exactly. And even families of people who commit horrific acts like this, they blindly follow. They're like, it could have not been a possibility in their mind. So this just only adds to the police being like, Okay, she did some stuff. She did something. As the police investigate, Mm -hmm. they make some interesting discoveries. They find one set of bloody footprints, and the shoe that made these prints were bigger, like a size 14. So they assume, okay, this is one of the assailants. Mm -hmm. The next set of footprints appear to overlap with this first one and is smaller in size. So they know, okay, this is Brittany. And the police are on the right track. And by the looks of where the prints lead, they can see exactly how Brittany was dragged to the safe and then to the bathroom. But those were the only prints they find. So there's only one pair, even though she said... So there's two guys, but only one of them left footprints? Exactly. Okay. Another thing is the trail of footprints not leading out of the store. So they're like... Did the assailant leave in his socks? Did he switch shoes? Wait, what? Yeah. So the footprints that were covered in blood did not leave the store. Okay. They find Jaina had over 331 wounds. All of them were delivered by tools found near her body and those tools belong to the store. The doctors at the hospital who treated Brittany say that her wounds are less severe than they originally thought 
And it went from like huge scars to minor scratches. And they even suggest that it could have been self-inflicted. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Exactly that. And that scholarship that she had when she went to college, she lost because her teammates accused her of stealing. And she was. Wow. Like even people on the team would be like, yeah, hide your stuff to the new girls because (gasps) Britney is going to steal your stuff. Oh my God. I can't imagine like... Brittany was arrested later that same day, and we find out the real story. Let's go. It's unclear why Brittany called Gina back to the store, possibly because she discovered Brittany was shoplifting, but after getting Gina back in the store, Brittany attacked her viciously and delivered fatal blow after fatal blow. She used the shoes from inside the store to make it look like there had been other people there, moved Gina's car- Okay, I'm sorry, but we have to talk about the shoe thing again. (laughs) Because now I'm just picturing this bozo. Like, she's like, hmm, how can I make this look like it was two men and not me? Let me go get a 14-size shoe, and let me just prance around in all of this blood for a minute. And then, I'm not even going to be smart enough to get another pair of 14 shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to walk on it with my own size 7 yeah. women's shoe. And the thing is, okay... <laughs> But she didn't even think like, hmm, where did the attacker go in these yeah. size 14 she Lululemon bl- shoes? Oh, right back on the shelf. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I know. Like she led them right to it. I'm like, girl. For her to do all of that work and then to just be like, but I'm not going to let them out the store. Like, no. I can't. So <laughs> she moved Jaina's car in an effort to hide it from police and inflicted several cuts to herself, tied her hands above her head, and then just waited until morning for someone to find her. Okay, this is like very Billy Loomis from Scream. You haven't seen it, no. so you don't get the reference. But like at the end of Scream 1, they want to make it look like they aren't the killers. Mm-hmm. So the two of them stab each other. But their stabs are legit stabs. <laughs> like this girl, what? She got a bunch of paper cuts all over her yeah. body. And she was like, I was attacked too. Like huh? Literally. Like- on October 26th, Brittany is put on trial. Now, Brittany's lawyers claim the past of her stealing and that phone call the manager got from Jaina mm-hmm. is all hearsay. Prosecutors didn't have a motive for the crime. Yeah, but I guess that is all hearsay, but didn't you say she lost her scholarship because of it? Couldn't they use that as... No. That's not technically hearsay if she literally lost her scholarship over the soccer team looking into it, you know? True, but they never, the def- the prosecutors never brought it into evidence. So Interesting, okay. They didn't include it. Eventually, Brittany's lawyers just come out and say, yeah, she did it, but there was nothing premeditated, so just give her a second degree murder. Okay, so let's talk about what premeditation is. Um, <laughs> that's just when you think you're going to do it before you do it, and yeah. you kind of plan it out. Yeah. So they both left the Lululemon store and Brittany said, mm-hmm. hmm, I feel like killing her. Let me call her and tell her to go back to that store so I can kill her. Is that not premeditation to you? That is the definition. That's an example in a textbook, I'm pretty sure. Okay, just check. Uh, yeah. The prosecution walks the jurors step by step through the entire scene of the crime. They describe the bloody blows, her luring her back to the store Mm -hmm. and are basically showing them that this was a hundred percent premeditated. They called on the Emmy to corroborate the whole story. And they tell the juror how they tell the jurors how Jaina lived through every single one of those blows Mm -hmm. and that Brittany continued to hear her for over 15 minutes (gasps) straight. Oh my God. I cannot even imagine. You hear about these kind of things, like these murders, and they happen like 
within like three minutes and they're still so gruesome so i cannot picture 15 full minutes of this like you literally hear like the window of the crime being so tiny Mm -hmm. and in my head i'm like how'd they do that so fast but in this one i'm like what she took out whatever she 15 minutes straight they return on november 2nd and the jury deliberates for all of 21 minutes before they say yeah, Brittany, you're guilty of first degree. Okay, good. Life, no parole. Thank God. We're not having it at all. The judge, Robert Greenberg, even says, you will live. You will see another sunrise, another sunset. It may be through a prison window. Mm-hmm. There will be Christmases. There will be telephone calls. There will be visits. The only visits Jana Murray will have are those to her grave. Which, I mean, Hell yeah. yeah. That is so heartbreaking but so true and i love it when a judge can like respectfully deliver the like yeah basically and that's what this was this was a respectful it really was like it was saying yep you did it i'm gonna be so you know honorable about the way i say this but i have absolutely zero respect for you you're the scum of the earth but in a professional way yeah and a nice, he wrapped it up in a bow for her. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at the Chalkline Pod, Twitter at the Chalkline Pod, and you can even check out our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story. Bye.